Hello, welcome to the Seated's podcast. Confluence Journal of Interdisciplinary Studies is a peer-reviewed academic journal of the Symbiosis School for Liberal Arts. The journal aims to provide students with a platform to showcase their ideas to the world by promoting critical discourse through original research. We do so by helping students improve their submissions and research skills through a review process based on mentorship that acts as a learning process in itself. This podcast that you're listening to is an attempt to inform more students about the nature of research that was undertaken by previously published authors. In our conversation today, we will be talking with Aditi Heber about her paper, Carnatic Fusion, Sites for Identity Reconciliation or Erasure. Uh, hi, so Aditi's paper discusses Carnatic fusion and it's really interesting because uh, Carnatic fusion, uh, as you know, this struck me while I was reading the paper, is not only uh, just a fusion of two genres, but in, it involves a fusion of so many other things and uh, possibly a conflict between so many other things. And Aditi takes up all of these elements which are in conflict and which come into play while we're discussing the subject of Carnatic fusion. And um, she talks about it with uh, in the context of these interviews that she's done with artists who are uh, practicing Carnatic fusion and um, as well as, she, and she also includes uh, the context of uh, how their music is ex- expressed in terms of their uh, performances or social media and stuff like that. Aditi, could you maybe introduce your paper a little bit and tell us about your research? Yeah, hi. Um, so I wrote this paper for a seminar course on uh, globalization. And I during my time in SSL, I majored in English and minored in anthropology and history. And uh, for my seminar paper, I wanted to do something with anthropology and history, like my minor subjects. And so um, I wrote, so this paper is mostly an anthropology paper, which is sort of supplemented by music and history. Um, And Carnatic, as far as Carnatic music is concerned, I grew up with it. I mean, I I grew up very closely with it, right? And um, so it was very easy to sort of find inspiration in Carnatic music because I had never really uh, worked with Carnatic music academically or like looked at it critically or looked at like theory as such. When I was younger, it was more like Subhlakshmi, Yesudas, like very um, traditional stalwarts of Carnatic music, um, uh, so to speak, that I sort of listened to, right? But as I grew up uh, in college, I had friends who used to listen to a lot of Carnatic fusion and that's um, that sort of struck me very... Um, I mean, that sort of like raised my interest as such and sort of added to my playlist and uh, things like that. And so for my globalization seminar, I thought it would be perfect to sort of bring um, um, those two experiences together and to um, see how we can look at it academically. Um, and, and yeah, it was it was a fun it was it was really fun to to do that. <laughs> Wow, that's that's really interesting. I mean, you're you're talking about uh, you know uh, a fusion of genres, and it's also a fusion of different aspects of your life and your academic life and your personal life as well. That's that's pretty cool. So the artists that you uh, look at in your paper um, were these artists that you were already familiar with, or uh, these artists came up when you all when you started thinking about your research. Um. So. 
for example agam was a band that i used to listen to even before um one of my friends introduced uh, them to me in college um uh, as far as pv boss and mahesh raghavan are concerned i think i mean i got to know them through again my friends but like for my research so i was initially uh, talking to my friends and asking if they had any ideas um uh, for artists that i could you know possibly make a case study on and so they had uh, quite a few suggestions and these were some of them i i also had planned on um, talking to el subramanyam as well because he is uh, someone i came across when i um, went to jaipur literature festival and he was giving a concert and i was super impressed by him as well um but uh, that did not really happen but nevertheless yeah like a lot of the artists that i reached out to um they uh, were already there in you know my playlist to uh, so to speak but um yeah a lot of them were suggested by my friends and um people around me okay that's cool so it must have been really interesting and really fun to you know interview these people whose work you were already uh, somewhat familiar with right like what was the uh, what was that like you know getting in touch with them interviewing them i think you interviewed uh, their pr persons as well right yeah that was a an idea much that i got much later but uh, initially i had just planned on uh, in fact initially i did not even plan to interview these artists i um was just you know going through their social media pages and things like that and i found uh, contact information for most of these artists on their facebook pages which was great so i so i was like i'm not going to you know lose anything by just calling these people right they were super helpful and they were very proactive in you know getting me in touch with the artists and like even the artists themselves were very enthusiastic to sort of talk about their work and things like that so it was a great experience to begin with and i learned a lot from these artists as well because again um i uh, i have also learned carnatic music for um the longest time but i never i had never really bothered with its history or like its theory um or like just the form itself i had never really thought about uh, these aspects very critically but uh, you know um having conversations with uh, many of these artists did raise a lot of questions that i did not really know that i had and 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 it was a great experience and um yeah i mean i i think like there were only one or two artists that were um not that enthusiastic about giving an interview to some nameless you know some in, uh, insignificant student <laughs> but others were super super helpful and super nice about it right so these conversations is something that you said actually while you were talking um uh, reminded me of something that i read in your paper i think you talk about a critique by tm krishna right that says that carnatic music is our desire to access everything while remaining indifferent to our context right and um you were just uh, telling me about how you know you were listening to this kind of music without being you know so in touch with its history uh, did you find that uh, the artists were conscious of this discussion about the history of the um genre about the what it means to um you know uh, create fusion music that's this conflict between the global and the tradition 
So I think that's a very interesting question because on one level they did engage with um, the uh, genre's history and you know wanting to preserve it and things like that. But at the same time, I personally, again, this is a personal opinion, right? But I personally felt like they weren't engaging with, you know, say for example, um, it's darker sort of. Uh, aspects or like uh, aspects of its history because when you think about it Carnatic music is still a very canonical um, sort of music for Indian within the Indian context and it has a very casteist history it has been gatekept by certain communities namely the Brahmins and um, it has been uh, and, and and it's also very religious music and obviously there's nothing wrong with being a religious music as such but um, in more ways than one it has been used as um, it has been sort of like a very exclusive um, sort of art in terms of who can practice it and who cannot. And, um, and, and so, and, and so, yeah, like uh, I, none of the artists really uh, engage with that conversation, like the tougher conversations of what it means to practice Carnatic music and what it means to, um, um, so to speak, uh, create a fusion out of it and things like that, right? Um, they did talk about democratizing it and giving, um, you know, uh, uh, helping, uh, you know, uh, the Indian crowd access it better and things like that. But they never really um, uh, engaged with the tougher conversations as such. Um, when they when they talk, even when they talk about democratizing um, the genre, they just talk about this um, uh, general, this umbrella term for the Indian youth that has um, sort of lost uh, their touch from from the roots, uh, from their roots, and they want to get back to it, um, if, if you know what I mean. So, um, I mean, I, I'm, I hope I'm making sense, but, but yeah. So, so that's literally, so that was the extent to which they sort of engaged with um, Carnatic uh, music and its history. But at the same time, they do, uh, you know, look at, say, for example, fundamental elements like ragas and talas, and they are aware of, uh, um, you know, how raga and tala is a very um, important or like a very... Um, uh, characteristic um, element of Karnat of the Carnatic genre, and so um, you can't really do away with that or like things like that. So they do uh, acknowledge certain elements of Carnatic music as essential, and they do try to retain these aspects. But when um, it comes to like the tougher conversations, they do sort of shy away from it. I I I mean. Is that what you asked? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's really insightful. Um, you said ragas and talas. Could could you tell me what that means exactly, and why why is it important to the essence of Carnatic music? Um. So ragas and talas are um, basically this foundational elements uh, it's widely acknowledged as foundational elements of carnatic music um you can see this in uh, hindustani classical uh, genre as well uh, but uh, but yeah so like ragas and talas are um, something very unique to indian classical genres 
So ragas are basically different combinations of um, musical notes um, that. So, for example, if there's a, a Carnatic composition uh, that is set in a, a certain raga, uh, it just means that the composition consists, or like the con- composition has been created using only a certain. set of combination of musical notes um so that is raga and then tala is basically measurement of musical meter um and and so like uh, a composition can be set in a certain tala and that is just a way of um indicating its musical meter as such Okay okay that's really interesting uh, another thing that you said uh, when the um, when the artists were thinking about the general indian youth uh, it is this generalized you know uh, idea that the indian youth is disconnected from uh, from their roots you know and um, i've been i've been living in mumbai uh, for all my life and actually two generations of my family before me have been living in mumbai and of course right it's a cosmopolitan city and there are there is a significant effect of globalization and that's something that i've been thinking about as well you know um because uh, my family is originally um i don't know from goa right so um you know what kind of uh, dilution or as you say in your paper erasion uh, erasure of uh, culture is there and uh, like different ways that i personally try to reconcile with it so that's really interesting you know like carnatic music is one um, one way that this conflict happens but there are so many different ways that this conflict between you know tradition and globalization happens um and what what about the what about the artists themselves did uh, what was their um childhood like were they exposed to uh, carnatic music uh, classical carnatic music or is that something that they discovered later yeah i mean i think so all the artists did uh, claim certain kind of um familiarity with carnatic music whether it be you know learning it from a very young age or um just being around it um uh, while they were growing up so i think i mean very similar to my situation as well like i grew up listening to it learning it and so i find inspiration in it when when this paper comes up and similarly i mean obviously their inspiration is like a lot bigger because they made a career out of it unlike me but um but they have a certain kind of familiarity with carnatic music and uh, its aesthetics and um and and just being born in a south indian household or you know in a south indian um sort of in, in like geographic geographically closer um also uh, gives you a lot more access to the form um as well so uh, so yeah and uh, for example pv bose uh, is the third artist that i talked to and he talks about how uh, when he was studying music he um, encountered not just carnatic uh, artists but also hindustani artists and um, and and that's very interesting as well because unlike the other two um, artists a lot of pv bose's uh, fusion also um, is influenced uh, like he his fusion also consists of hindustani music as well and um, so yeah you can see how like different genres that the artists sort of sort of encountered not just carnatic for that matter but uh, hindustani or whether it be progressive rock or uh, metal whatever it is 
uh, all these genres have been a part of uh, the artist's life at some point or the other. Um, but Carnatic music is something that all of these artists have in common. Uh, and it, I think it has to do with their cultural backgrounds and um, how for them Carnatic music sort of represents a certain kind of root that they are trying to go back to or that they're trying to claim um, after, you know, years of, uh, feeling alienated from it or, or 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 whatever yeah right and um i mean music or maybe this could be said for like you know different forms of art as well it's um it's a way of um interacting with things uh, as the artist yeah. as well as expressing those things you know externally as well right so um is is that what uh, what you can understand as democratization by you know, taking uh, something that controlled or enjoyed or practiced by this small group of people um, because there are certain barriers, like, well, different, different barriers, right? Like, I mean, is that democratization, um, removing those barriers? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, T.M. Krishna himself uh, says in his book how Karnati... Uh, so again, uh, um, both T.M. Krishna and these artists, you have to keep in mind, have different ideas of fusion and like what it means to fuse uh, two genres um, of music. But uh, what I think we can take um, from T.M. Krishna um, is how... Um, the Carnatic music genre has been something that um, yeah, is very religious in 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 its in its lyric in in its lyrics or um, you know the way of, uh, the places that it has uh, been performed and things like that. But um, so much of uh, its influence has. Um, served so many different purposes as well um, is what he says so whether it be religious purpose or like it has also served like for the longest time even though it was like this religious symbol uh, uh, it was also art music um, so to speak um, and uh, here and so like Carnatic music has not just been valued for its religiosity or like, you know, how it invokes different um, gods uh, uh, in, in, in Hinduism, but also um, just because of its form and like it's just aesthetic beauty as such. Um, and, and so when you uh, take that idea and uh, look at Carnatic fusion, you can understand how here it is also being treated uh, as uh, this aesthetic um, element of a certain culture and not just a religious religious uh not just because of its religious value or like its uh, value for a religion or like a cultural um community um for example uh one of the artists that i talked to actually he is also the pr person but 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 whatever uh he just talks about how um uh, how you know agam that was the band that he um played in but he talks about how agam performing a um a religious composition like a carnatic composition in a bar is is neither uh, disrespecting the carnatic composition uh, composition or the beer that is being served there i thought that was a very um you know nice nice way of putting it <laughs> And and so you can see how each of these artists have taken the meaning or like what it exactly means to perform Carnatic composition and made it, given it a meaning that is, um, so to speak, very individualized. To them, it genuinely just means that they are 
uh, expressing uh, the music that uh, different, you know, the different sort of um, genres that they listen to. They're just expressing it in one uh, in 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 their own way as such. So yeah, wait, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, it works. Just it's fine if we go off on dance. That's all right. So, um, you talked about um, you know, expressing it in their own ways, and that involves like you know, coming up with different combinations of genres and uh, performing in different places and um, circumstances and situations and things like that, right? So, um, that expression also becomes an important uh, part of like you know understanding how the artists um you know see what fusion is or what essential elements of classical Carnatic music r- remain and what things get changed so um are the um other ways that this expression takes place um consistent with all of the bands do um do all of the bands have similar trends in how they perform or express themselves on social media or was that also different um it was similar in the way in which they uh, prioritized raga and tala for instance uh, i think pv boss also prioritizes the lyrics of the songs but um, essentially all of them did uh, look at raga and tala as the core elements of carnatic music um apart from that when it comes to the way they express their um uh, fusion on stage or whatever there are some differences but i think so to speak all of them try to um uh, merge elements of carnatic um uh, performance traditions with western performance traditions um and say for example and i think you need to also keep in mind that agam for one is a rock uh, band like a prog rock band and and so the uh, venues that they um perform in and the way they perform uh, naturally does change because they are um uh, engaging with a different set of um um fusion genres than say for example mahesh raghavan uh, mahesh raghavan is not a vocalist he is not a band he is performing with an ipad in his hand so logistically speaking it's hard for him to you know go around um and perform like like agam does you know just like where, where the vocalist sort of like runs around the stage tries to you know get the crowd excited and things like that so it's logistically speaking it's very hard for mahesh raghavan to do uh, do that um but nevertheless for example mahesh raghavan did you know talk about how he uh, brought in um you know classical dancers bharatanatyam dancers um to perform uh, to perform around him or you know the way he uses um say for example the I don't know what you call it but like the TV screen behind the artist yeah um, correct um yeah. I know what you're talking about yeah so that screen the way he uses that as a way of trying to create a certain fusion of aesthetics as well um uh, and and also the people that he collaborates with um he uh, has often collaborated with violinists he's collaborated with tabla artists i mean tabla ne um rudangam and tabla both actually and um and and veena actually not veena because that sort of doesn't um um 
go with uh, go exactly well with um, the instrument that he's uh, playing. But what I'm trying to say is that he does try to fuse the aesthetics of uh, different genres when he is performing. And as far as Agam is concerned, um, uh, he, I mean, like they sort of um, the way they structure the oh yeah, so the the structuring of the concert like just the way they perform, the structuring of their performance. There are a lot of commonalities between uh, Mahesh Raghavan and Agham, for instance, or even PV Bose, because all of them, for example, start with a Ganesha rendition, which is like a very um, uh, interesting um, fusion um, idea, because uh, starting with a Ganesha rendition is something very characteristic of Carnatic um, performance uh, traditions, not and, and as it is in a lot of Indian performance traditions yeah, itself. But but yeah, um, so so those are some things that are very common between these artists. But um, yeah, you need to also keep in mind that they're also working with other fusion, I mean, with other genres for their fusion. And so those um, can kind of um, vary their performance uh, aspects as well. Right, right. And um, with the Ganesha rendition, that's moving beyond just a fusion of aesthetics, right? That's um, that that brings the the context of the music uh, into play. I think very consciously. Don't you think? I think um, so. Even then, what exactly does it mean to start with a Ganesha rendition? Um, for these artists, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are, you know, praying for the success of their event or anything as such, but rather creating a certain kind of, again, aesthetic in the sense that, you know, the audience has gone to uh, Carnatic concerts, uh, Carnatic um, traditional mainstream concerts where these um this is a standard practice and and so to see that being rep, uh, reproduced in in you know these carnatic fusion concerts as well is um it has i think i personally think it has more to do with uh, creating that experience recreating that experience rather than you know again as i said um um praying for the success of the event or things like that yeah, correct. I mean, you you brought in you brought in audiences in what you just said. Do you do, do the artists feel a certain obligation or a certain degree of obligation to um, cater to audiences? Is that something you spoke to them about? Uh, I did talk to them about this, but um, I personally think that it's very hard to just go by the word. <laughs> because um, I think all of them were treating the uh, interview as a magazine article as something that will be published and that will add and so most of them did talk about how you know oh I'm very like I love what I do and I'm very lucky that I have an audience that also loves what I do and things like that which is totally valid I, I get that but um, then if that was the case then why do they go to that such an extent of using social media and you know trying to create engagement and things like that but anyway um, so yeah I think when it comes to obligation um, there are certain things that they did talk about uh, beyond all of this beyond you know saying oh I don't care about my image at all and things like that but um, they did talk about how for example if they're performing in um uh, say Kerala, uh, they uh, tend to pick more um, Malayalam uh, compositions or uh, even like say for example Mahesh Raghavan has um, um, done a lot of uh, covers of um, 
popular songs uh, um, with with his instrument, sort of trying to Carnatic, give it a Carnatic twist as such. Um, and he talked he talked about how uh, he uh, tends to perform more Malayalam popular songs, uh, more, more of his Malayalam covers uh, to a uh, to a Kerala audience. Um, and and yeah, and say, for example, he went on a tour outside India to, I think, America. And he talked about how, like, you know, he performed a lot of um, English songs that he had covered. Uh, he talked about how he performed that for that crowd. And so, so yeah, so in terms of performance, they do try to uh, put together a set of songs that would probably be a bit more uh, appealing to the audience um, that they are performing for in in that uh, place yeah correct and i guess you know that um, we shouldn't be too critical about this because i mean um, making a profit is a part of music and that's something we have to live with yes what about ar rahman you talk about him in your paper why is he significant to our artists and to carnatic fusion music Oh yeah, so this was something that really surprised me when I was talking to the artists. Um, the so out of the three artists that I spoke to, um, two of them are uh, millennials, right? And they grew up. Uh, they were children. Uh, like they were still like. Um, you know, like children um, during like the late 90s, early 2000s. And um, so A.R. Rahman uh, and A.R. Rahman's sort of fame sort of coincides with their childhood as well. Um, And so they uh, obviously, and they sort of grew up with um, a lot of A.R. Rahman music uh, um, in in their um, uh, households as well, like as as they grew up, they were listening to a lot of A.R. Rahman, uh, and and they talked about this as well. Both the artists, how like A.R. Rahman is a huge influence on their music because they listened to a lot of his music uh, when they were growing up. So that's one reason why I decided to include um, uh, A.R. Rahman. But in the larger context of you know Indian fusion music itself. Uh, there's a lot of uh, um, academic work that uh, talk about how A.R. Rahman music uh, influenced Indian film music itself and uh, fusion within Indian film music. Not to mention, uh, in in addition to sort of like, you know, bringing together Western and Indian um, uh, aesthetics, basically in his music, um, he also introduced a lot of technology into Indian music, which is also very significant when you think about, um, you know, Mahesh Raghavan, who, again, works with an iPad to create this effect. And he talks, I mean, Mahesh Raghavan himself pointed this out and said how, you know, um, uh, technology uh, and music is... Uh, not something that people readily sort of acknowledge uh, when it comes to especially, you know, music, because they try. Uh, and, and so like, you know, the work of A.R. Rahman, for, ex- uh, for example, was um, very inspiring for Mahesh Raghavan. And as far as Agam is concerned, um, Jagdish Natarajan talked about how um, in the initial stages of his um bands sort of you know this was the time when like you know Agam was still you know uh, going to different events and just like taking like they were like really like nascent in their um, this thing and and during that time they had auditioned for a reality show um, a Tamil reality show music reality show called I think Ola La La um, and in that you know A.R. Rahman was a guest and uh, 
uh, Agam was like he A.R. Uh, Rahman really encouraged Agam to sort of go ahead with their music and you know really appreciated their music as such and and so like A.R. Rahman then is like personally very important for these artists but also uh, when you look at like the uh, you know like the larger picture as well you can't deny A.R. Rahman's uh, um, work and his uh, contribution to fil- uh, fusion music because f- most of Indian film music is fusion and it has a lot of technology and like a lot of western and Indian local sounds that are mixed into it and things like that so um, you can't deny his role in like the larger or the you know, smaller picture as such. And that's why I sort of decided to create a whole category for, or like a section for ARMR in my paper. Right, that's really cool. And uh, it's it's a difficult task, right? This experiment that all of these artists and bands are doing, trying to, um, you know, exist within this middle point of conflict between tradition and, um, you know, creating something new and creating like a fusion genre. And I think it's really cool. And seeing a successful experiment is always motivating, I'm sure. Uh, and it's all happening at the same time, right? There are like different forces which... Um, are, are creating change as well as uh, clinging on to tradition. And I'm sure it's a difficult and interesting space to be in. Yeah, but you also need to understand that fusion was never really like a novel idea when these people started because Indian film music, when you think about it, Bollywood music or even like so much of South Indian film music is fusion. It has always existed. It's just that like so many of these artists are, um, you know, naming it and like labeling it. And that in itself is a very important um, uh, thing to do because then you are um, kind of actively challenging certain barriers uh, when it comes to the definition of Carnatic music. Because uh, when you think about it, film music is never really associated with Carnatic music or Hindustani music. It's a whole genre in itself and it's not really seen as a threat as such to Carnatic music in terms of like you know its sanctity as such um, of course like it is a competitor for Carnatic music when you think about it because like the youth is still preferring say film music uh, in, in uh, as opposed to you know ri- uh, the in quotes rigid boundaries of Carnatic music uh, but uh, what I'm trying to say is that I personally feel that these artists did something unique in terms of naming their music fusion and actively acknowledging the part that uh, Carnatic music and other genres played in their music. And I think that can be something that we can um, give them credit for. Okay, so um, Aditi, for all for everyone out there listening who is who is already familiar with Carnatic music or maybe uh, wants to listen to Carnatic fusion music, um, could you maybe uh, recommend some tracks? um so i so uh, as i said like most of south indian film music is you know uh, influenced by carnatic music um but um Apart from that, I I personally really like the work of Agam. I think, I mean, Agam is like a sort of uh, always there, like in my playlist as well. They have uh, amazing tracks. Um, My personal favorite would be, um, 
I think uh, Rangapura Vihara, their version of Rangapura Vihara or um, uh, Manavyala Kincharatate. Um, so these are some of the tracks that I really like. Uh, Bantu Riti Kodu is also very nice. Um, and, and so, yeah, Agam is definitely something that people have to check out. They don't really have like a lot of music. They, they are not like, they are um, not actively producing music. Um, and like, it's not their full-time career as such, but the tracks that they do have, have, I really love. Uh, apart from that, El Subramaniam also has, uh, I mean, he, El Subramaniam does not cover uh, existing Carnatic uh, compositions. Instead, he um, sort of tries to bring just the aesthetics of a certain raga and fuses it with, you know, um, many other genres. Unlike Agam, Agam just primarily fuses uh, rock and uh, prog rock and some metal as well with Carnatic music. But um, Subramaniam has worked with a lot of internationally renowned artists. Um, and I think he's worked with, like, say, um, uh, I think, like, he came up during the time when like there was a lot of talk about world music as such and so you can see his work being fused with say Spanish uh, influence um, and and many others as well so he works with a lot more genres than Agam uh, and he tries to bring like a raga's aesthetic into his compositions rather than um, just like one Carnatic existing Carnatic composition so um, yeah El Subramaniam is also like a nice artist that uh, I sometimes listen to Okay, thank you so much, Aditi, for all of those insights on Carnatic fusion music, as well as your recommendations. We'll try to include the Spotify links in the description. Um, thank you so much, uh, and goodbye. No, thank you for inviting me and like just listening to uh, listening to me and for such a long time. <laughs>